That's not the metaphor. When one door closes, another mm-hmm. opens. And 2020 is finally going to end. We haven't made it to the end of 2020. I guess we still got to survive another week. But we're probably going to make it to the end of 2020. We've definitely made Feel it to the beginning of the basketball it. season. Because basketball comes back, man, today. Tonight. On NBA Jersey night, we get basketball. What's the, what are the, what's, what's the slate for tonight? Uh, Nets, Warriors, Lakers, bunch of Clippers. teams I don't work for. I know that. <laughs> it's the it, the battle for Los Angeles uh, continues. Mm. To, it just is still raging on. They just won't stop fighting each other in Los Angeles. Yeah, they just keep battling. You ever been there? Like you just walk through downtown and it's people wearing Lakers stuff and people wearing Clippers stuff and they're just they're just brawling. Ah. Yeah. Knives and they take it serious, man. LA Live, more like LA dead. Cause <laughs> LA staying alive. Yeah. LA trying to avoid getting in a fight with a Montrez Harrell fan. Imagine how <laughs> much um, confused those guys must feel right now. Yeah. Did they do the half jersey? Do they like cut the thing in half if you're like a big Lakers fan or a big Clippers fan, but you also like became a Clippers fan because Montrez? Do you do the half jersey or do you like burn the other one and then you just like the the next time you're at Staples you just buy the new one? Yeah, it's it's tough for their bank account, but they still have mm. the Rockets Herald jersey, so you can just like paint over that. Turn yeah. that one into a Lakers. Because somebody's somebody definitely owns all the Montrez Herald jerseys. Yeah, there is there That's is a, a hypothetical. We gotta get him That's, on the pod. We gotta yeah. get him on the pod. Uh all right, so it is the ceiling is the roof. A little bit of a rough takeoff here, but uh, nah, nah. This is this is good stuff. Yeah, this is the stuff that people yeah, want. It's great, it's great. Uh, so this is kind of a. Uh, it's become an annual tradition. Honestly, you and me talking, unlike this, any other. This is at least the second year in a row that we've talked right at the beginning of the season, and uh, ceiling is the roof has kind of become. If it's not like a guest episode, you know, like Jalen mm-hmm. Brunson, we invited him on. He keeps saying no to us, so. Uh, screw that guy. I just put his name in the title of everyone, actually. <laughs> yeah, until he just... It helps with SEO, that's for sure. But uh, Ceiling is the roof featuring Jalen Brunson. And never... <laughs> when, it, when it's just you and me, it kind mm-hmm. of becomes a, a pod where we just talk about our feelings. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's a good place to start for this episode because with basketball being back today, got some teams playing, and then tomorrow night we got the Mavs playing... And then it's like Christmas, and then it's New Year's, and then it's like, oh my God, they're going to be playing like 25 games in the next week and a half. I don't know about you, but like, I just feel weird. Like, I'm excited, but I don't feel ready. And I just am kind of, it's just really strange. It's like, holy crap, like, this is actually, you know, no matter, like, ready or not, here we come kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know if there's a scenario that could have taken place after the bubble 
in this short amount of time that would, would have made me feel normal. You know what I mean? No matter what happened. If they said the week after the bubble that, or a week after the finals ends that here's our dates, let's go do it. And it was still December 22nd, our opening night, December 23rd. Um, and preseason was going to start, what, December 10th, 12 days ago, I guess. I don't think there's a way to, to sequence this in the, uh, in the way we're living right now. That was going to feel normal because time right now is just an optical illusion. Like, I feel like time is one of those pictures you look at and then it's like, oh, it's, it's two women's faces. And then you see it and then like the next day it's a vase, right? Like your eyes, your eyes are skewed. Your, your time eyes are ruined. So no matter what was going to happen, you were going to feel rushed. You were going to feel out of place. Um, but once games start rolling, and we saw this with some of the preseason stuff, um, you know, having a game off day, game, off day, game, you get into a little bit of a rhythm. Um, for me, at least, I, I enjoy the season, at least for the first 50 or so games. And then like that middle 10 to 20, I'm like, ah, this is a long season. And then it's like, oh, playoffs are right there. So uh, for my um, circadian rhythm or whatever you want to call it of how you, you move about your day, um, I enjoy being in the season. And knowing that it's either a game today or I'm prepping for the next game. Um, and so for a little while, since preseason's been over uh, last Thursday, I guess, it's been, hey, the 23rd. That's the date. That's when we're going. That's when everything needs to be down. It's when all the, all the screws need to be tightened. Um, all, the, you know, all, the, all the boards need to be nailed down. So, and I know the Mavs are doing the same thing. And it, the question is, like, how much... <laughs> Can you change anything, number one, in that amount of time for a basketball team um, besides maybe personnel, the technicality of it, right, the the tent poles that exist around it and your Josh Richardsons and your, and your rookies that came in, um, and your, your James Johnson as well. But do you, can, do you have time to change anything? Like are we going to run the same exact offense, same exact defense, just plug in the, the variables a little bit differently? Um, but I'm excited about it, man. I, 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 I love that there are some high expectations this year for us. Um, and it's not just a, a feel out, see what Luka Doncic as your best player means type season. It's a, hey, there's something, there's something on the line here. Um, there's some expectation. There's, there's a guy on our team that is in his third season that is the favorite to be the MVP in the league, right? And he's surrounded by really good veterans that we all like and think can bring something to the table. So I like that there's a little little skin in the game uh, this season because that's that's the kind of basketball I like, you know? I think the something that's really kind of contributing to the just general sense of, like, uneasiness that I'm feeling in addition to, like, holy crap, this is this is happening whether or not I'm ready is, like, the expectations are there, you know? I I think they're going to be good. I expect them to be good. Certainly better than last year. But then I think about it and I'm like, every single player on the team last year had the best season of his career. And really the only three that didn't are gone. DeLon Wright and Justin Jackson are gone. J.J. Barea is gone. Now they're gone for different reasons and they're on different things. But like the entire team had a career year and – the optimist, and I'm an optimist when it comes to basketball at least, 
would say, well, that's what happens whenever you have like the LeBron of your generation on your team. I mean, how many guys have had the best year of their lives playing with LeBron? But then the pessimist is like, well, that's just one year, and it's every player. Can they withstand, you know, two guys falling off or four guys well, falling you mean, off? You mean offensively, right? You're yeah, yeah, yeah. About offensively in yeah. terms of counting stats and efficiency and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, primarily efficiency. And, you know, maybe Maxi had the best year of his career defensively. I don't really know, but – uh, there's still plenty to be desired on on that side of the floor, but offensively, it's like yeah, I mean their margins were so thin last year as it was, and every single player was has never been better than they were. So that's another thing where it's like oh my god, you know that's just kind of like this huge question that's been sitting in the back of my mind, and uh, we talked a little bit about it with uh, Isaac on Mavs Daily yesterday talking about that same kind of thing, um, but that's sort of this looming like fear. I guess is, well, you know, for example, today's NBA Jersey Day. You're wearing your uh, Dirk jersey, throwback, mm-hmm. like 1998 edition, and I'm wearing yeah. my Dennis Smith Jr. jersey. Now, I have a closet <laughs> full of jerseys, but I wasn't wearing a jersey until we started recording, and you told me to get it, and this is the first one I saw, and I thought it was funny. Almost so the I same career on. points, too. That's crazy. You said what? Almost the same career total in points. Yeah, 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 exactly. Between the guys who wear. Yeah. Uh, and I... Uh, I mean, I just got to thinking, like, two years ago, we're sitting here talking about, like, Dirk and Dennis. Like, the Dirk and Dennis pick and roll was, like, a big deal two years ago. And I'm just thinking of how much stuff has changed, and a lot of it has to do with 77. It's the same reason why everybody had the best year of their career last year is because this guy is on the team. And whenever you have that guy, there's always, like, he is just an engine of change. Luca is an engine of change. And a lot of the times when we talk about superstars, like you look at what's happening in Houston, you look at what's happened in like with KD and with LeBron. Mm-hmm. I mean, LeBron is, he's changed more than maybe anyone in league history, but like normally change is like a bad thing. It's almost like a cuss word, but Luca's like chaotic, good change. Like two years ago, we were like, yeah, it would be cool if they won 30 games. And now we're like, yeah, I mean, if they don't win a playoff series, I'm going to be kind of upset and so just all of this stuff is just happening so quickly and all of these players just having such good seasons so quickly out of nowhere where it's like, what is real? What is like in my imagination? You know, I don't know. It's just, it's really weird that this whole thing has happened. Not just the NBA is having a season, but that the Mavericks are where they are right now, given where we were a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Yeah, no, that's, that's, crazy to think how far we've come and you know I'm entering my third season with the team um you've been here for ever so you've lived through you know some really down seasons some rebuilding seasons uh some ones that you'd like to forget but you know since I walked in the door it's been it's been Luca it's been you know how good is this guy does he fit with Dennis does Dennis still want to be here okay that era is over um we got KP now it's the future of Luca and KP Um, and how does that all fit together? And that's still, I think that's still a question we didn't get to answer a ton last season. I think they played awesome together, but those little spurts of the season in which one of them was out, you know, Luca with the ankle thing, KP getting rest. And then at the end of the season, obviously his knee, knee issue that flared up in the bubble. Um, I think that's still one of those, you can copy and paste this from last year's run sheet of what are these two guys as your two best players mean, but 
the thing I think you're, you're kind of describing um, that most people might not realize if they're not around the team every day or, you know, don't get to talk to these guys or don't see how they interact with each other is this is entirely Luka Doncic's team. I mean, everything about it. The personality of the team, um, how hard they work, um, how skilled they are offensively, um, their mannerisms, their, how they treat each other, how, how, how they joke constantly, uh, and how loose they are. It's, it's his team, dude. And that was, I got a harsh reminder, not a harsh reminder, but like a very poignant reminder that on media day, just seeing him come in and everybody just starts glowing, right? Like, not just the people that I work with, like the other players just want to like talk to him, want to, you know, want to joke with him, want to, want to crack jokes back and forth with him. And dude, to see his personality from <laughs> the first time I met him uh, and watching the first time you talked to him on, you know, the day after the draft when he came in and you're asking him questions and he's kind of shy and not that he's, you know, going to host a, you know, uh, family feud show next week or anything like that. Do you think he'll come on just, the show? Maybe. I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, you can always ask, you know. Um, I'll, I'll text but, him. But seeing how, you know, reserved and kind of shy and just kind of in a shell he was the first year and a half, and then seeing his mannerisms basically since the bubble, I would say. And maybe last year, that was just, that's just a good break in time. So you, like, kind of refresh, right? During the season last year, it might have already changed. And I noticed some of that whenever I was traveling with the team leading up to the, the break. But um, – this team is entirely about him, man. It's about him having fun. It's about him being the best player on the planet. Um, and anything that is doesn't fit onto that railroad track, it's just not happening. Um, and I think that's pretty evident with the addition of Josh Richardson. Uh, I think that's pretty ev- evident with the addition of James Johnson. Um, the acquisition of three young players that can grow alongside him and don't have pressure to be like the next Dennis, Right to be the guy that the whole franchise is waiting on to become that all-star. I mean, Josh Green could have a subpar rookie season and no one's going to like point fingers or talk down on Josh Green, right? Because it's not about him. He has a year, maybe two, to grow into his shoes. And same thing for Tyrell Terry and Tyler Bay and, you know, uh, the other guys that haven't really proven themselves yet. The pressure's on Luka, and this is entirely his team. And it's not by accident, like, you think these things just kind of happen and a guy shows up and, I don't know, it feels like a lot of the stars we have now kind of got to be stars by either demanding trades or forcing themselves into um, situations that they wanted to be a part of. So you always think of, like, a star is somebody that, like, grabbed the steering wheel and said, like, I don't want to be in OKC anymore. Let's go to Houston. Um, or, you know, you know LeBron's path. Um, and so you don't think of Luca as much of holding onto the steering wheel and either like either picking teammates or things like that. Cause that's never public. I don't even think he does that, but this team is entirely about him. It is from, from step one to step 25 on, on a game day, on a practice day, it's keep it fun. Keep the guys motivated, uh, play an outstanding brand of offensive basketball, um, and be really stinking good, man. And cultivate an environment that the best player on the planet can grow in. Um, or hopefully pretty soon the best player on the planet. So that's one of the things I've noticed that I don't know if, if you're not, if you don't look at every single video that he's in, you know, over the training camp and 
talk to people during media day and see all these dudes, that might be something that you don't, you don't necessarily see um, that happens behind closed doors. And the other thing you mentioned was being a little scared because last season was career year across the board, right? Well, Josh wasn't here. Um, and Josh looks like, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to take every good thing that happens to the team and say, me and you have talked about this player a year prior, you know, and say, good job. Like we said, this guy'd be a great fit. And then he's here and then he's a great fit. Look what it looks like this far. But uh, Josh Richardson is not a name that has been, uh, you know, ignored out of our mouths in between our conversations and our, our texts back and forth. Um, as far back as, I mean, Miami days, right? Like, that's the kind of guy you need here. You need a guy that's gritty defensively, that's willing to do anything to win, that has that mentality and can shoot the piss out of the basketball, right? And that is Josh Richardson. Well, I mean, and it looks like he's loving playing beside uh, Luka Doncic. So, yes, offensively, the guys that were here last year and are carrying over into this season peaked offensively. But I don't know if I don't know if there's not yet another gear. Like, the offensive efficiency keeps getting reset each year, right? Like, the highest one ever. The most threes ever made in the season keep getting reset each year. So we're just finding different ways to to crack this algorithm of how do you generate points in an efficient way in the league. So I still think there is some upside to the offense. I'm not going to say they're going to score five more points than they did last year, but there might be a more efficient way to do it. But the thing that I look at and I say guys did not have career years in – is defensively. Um, I don't think anybody besides maybe Doe, and Doe's numbers might not have been good, but Doe kind of gets fed to the, you know, go go guard LeBron one night and then Paul George the next, next night and then, you know, chase Devin Booker around for a night. Like, that's kind of what Doe gets, gets fed, right? Um, so I think overall they can be much improved defensively. And you can you can look at the numbers. You can quote the you know, defensive rating from last year and say, oh, they weren't bad. Like, you can win with this defense. And, yeah, they did win with that defense. I'm talking about, like, playoff defense. I'm talking about when teams get into final two minutes of games, your defense affects the game. You're not just the other five guys that are things are happening to. Because that happened a lot, right? We get into a game and it's a – we're up by six and there's three minutes left and you're like, man, if we can just make one defensive play <laughs> – and then just one, not one didn't happen. Not one, you know, there's too many games like that. So to me, losing that many close games in the final, you know, 60 to 120 seconds, that that's an anomaly. That won't happen again. I'm going to go ahead and guarantee that. That won't happen again. That's, a, that's, that's an outlier amongst outliers of how bad we did in the clutch last year. So number one, clutch. And then number two, I think the defense is going to be improved. It has to. Um, and a lot of that also kind of rolls into a different conversation of, you know, you need KP out there to be optim- optimal defense um, on that end. Last season, Finney Smith spent, I believe, the second most, second highest volume of his time. So, like, the second most, second highest percentage of his possessions on the floor, basically, behind only Ben Simmons guarding all-stars. <laughs> Just straight up all stars. Yeah, That's more funny. than anyone else in the league, other than Ben Simmons, was Dorian. Yeah, and uh, yeah. that also goes for like primary sort of like playmakers, not just point guards. Like you know, LeBron is whether or not you call him a point guard, whatever. Like that's the kind of guy that Dorian was guarding 
more often than anyone else in the NBA except for one guy. And the fact that that won't be the case this year is really good. Now, Josh Richardson did play on a team with Ben Simmons last year, and Ben Simmons was still that guy. But Ben Simmons is like a generational defensive player. So the fact that they'll be able to switch off I think is really good and promising for the defense. But I, I want to go back to Luka for a, a little bit because, well, he's awesome, but but you alluded to something. Um, talking about sort of like the culture has sort of um, mirrored his personality right like the, the the team has adopted his personality and I think it was Rick it might have been Donnie but I'm pretty sure it was Rick last year who brought it up is basically like you want your team to have your star's attitude because like the star is sort of the leader of your culture and uh it was it was very much that way with Dirk you know the Mavs are always kind of a fun loving but hard-working bunch with whenever Dirk was here and, and Lucas seems like a similar guy they're not the same guy but same sort of sense of humor and everything, you know, self, uh, uh, what do you call it? Degrading? You're, you're yeah, self-deprecating. Self-deprecating, yeah. Mm. Mike, I'm not ready for basketball. Um, <laughs> yeah, the self-deprecating sense of humor and everything. But whenever whenever JJ, you know, they, they waved JJ and he gave his press conference, I realized, like, Luca and Jalen Brunson are now both in the team's starting five for uh tenure in Dallas like Luke is the fourth longest tenured Mav now and Brunson is fifth and Maxi Klebus third whose rookie season in the league was the year before Luca got here and Dorian Finney-Smith is second whose rookie season in the league was the year before Maxi got here and then it's Powell whose rookie season in the league was two years before Dorian and so like this is like a totally new team and they've turned it over so quickly I mean, you think of that first week of February back in, in 2019, whenever they traded their entire starting five minus Luca for what has essentially become their new starting five. Um, but it's, it's, it's even more than that. It's just like, I wonder if, if you hook up Cuban and Donnie and Rick and, and all these guys to a, a lie detector, to a polygraph machine, and you give them a test and you ask them, like, was this the plan? I mean, on in 2018, whenever they traded for Luca, like, did they think that they could not have masterminded this? There's no way that you saw this coming. And that's kind of been the story of, like, Luca's basketball life. It's like his last year in Madrid, Sergio Yule goes down in, like, the second or third game of the season, and Luca becomes the starter. And then all of a sudden, they're EuroLeague champions, and he's the MVP. He would have probably been coming off the bench for them maybe that entire season had you will not gotten hurt. And like that's the kind of thing where it's like sometimes it's better to be lucky and good than good. I mean, they definitely knew that Luca was legit. Like they wanted him. He was their number one guy and everything. But like I just can't believe how first off, how good he is, of course. But second, how flexible and how like quick to act the front office has been when it comes to like first off recognizing that he's not just like rookie of the year, but like we should probably like make him like a high 30 usage guy like halfway through his rookie season and just surrounding him with players who perfectly maximize his abilities and whose abilities are maximized by him and that's just like to turn over almost the entire roster only three guys have been here longer than he has I mean that is like that is just an insane level of of management and turnover and and all of that 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 is just very rare to me and so it feels like like you and I are constantly playing catch up when it comes to how good Luca is, 
But like I think Donnie and Rick and Cuban are too. Like I think everybody is, but somehow they're just they're just making it work. Yeah. Um this is one of my favorite things to talk about, honestly, is once you think you have a superstar and you're not exactly sure in what way that means. Like I think we kind of envisioned something along the lines of this if we um Whenever you draw the outlines of what you think Luka Doncic would be, if we go back 24 months ago, um, you know, high usage, heavy ball handler. Um, but I don't know if it would be exactly this, like just creating mismatches against every single person on the court um, and driving defenses crazy and also having the size and strength to bully people whenever they, you know, want to play a smaller guy on you. Or, you know, dime people up on the attack. I I didn't exactly see um, this. It's not even hardened. Like, I don't even know what it is. Like, I just haven't seen a player quite like this. So, I think we've had this conversation three or four times about they're laying this out, not knowing exactly what he's going to be. But they know it's going to be awesome. It's going to be top five in the league. It's going to be best at his position and do it differently than just about anybody else. So once you have that on your team and you want that person, well, number one, the, the, thing, the thing about Luca and the thing about how you treat Luca and almost down to every single thing you say to him and every single practice you put him in, scenario you want him, scenario you want him to run, his game is about confidence. You have to keep him confident. You have to keep him fired up, motivated, and keep him confident. And they've done that since day one. It's, it's keeping the game fun, keeping him confident, letting him know that it's like that kid that's, you know, like outgrew everybody in like seventh grade and they're playing football and they're just kind of like, they look like one of the other kids. And you're just like, man, do you know how good you are? Do you know how dominant you could be? Like, you could get a sack every play if you wanted to. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're just, it's, it's like the, the, the elephant that grew up tied to the post, right? And they grow up and they're 20 feet tall and they never, like, yank the post out of the ground. Because you don't know, you, don't, you just live inside these limitations. And for him, I think he's always kind of done this. Of get to a new place. It didn't take him long to adapt, obviously. He's a rookie of the year. But take, you know, a minute maybe personally to adapt. And then figure it out, man. And he's figured out the move to make, the counter to the move, the counter to that counter. And then letting other people take over games like he'll let Tim do sometimes. um, And let KP do at times. So how you, the growth of a superstar in the NBA is one of the most fascinating things in my mind. And obviously we kind of wrote the book on it. The Dallas Mavericks wrote the book on it with Dirk, knowing that this thing is going to be awesome. It might be way different than anything you've ever seen. Like you might do really funky one-legged fadeaways that he knocks 55% down from mid-range. But that's going to be really, really good. Like let's get that best thing out of him. And yeah, it might not be traditional. It might not be an AAU guy that went to a blue blood college and comes through and, you know, shoots 45% from three and, and college and all this kind of stuff. But it's, it's, it's different enough 
And if you give him that open path and say, this team is yours, this team is going to live and die by how good you are. Um, and I guess there probably are phases. There probably are moments where you say, okay, I'm confident that he's as good as we thought he was going to be. Let's trade one of the other ball handlers so he handles the ball all the time. Or let's make him, you know, coaches don't sit in practice and say, uh, hey, you're going to get 30% usage and you're going to get 15% usage. Like, that's not how it works out, right? But you want the majority of your offense in either sets or in flow, you, you say, this guy, this guy's doing it. And how many teams have that guy, number one? That's, that's one of the unique things is the offensive engine guy just doesn't exist in a lot of places. Um, so it's to see them do it, do it from day one in terms of I think I've got a pair of aces. Like how do, how do, how do I grow this? And how do I build everything around this? Um, and then the commitment it takes, number one. Number two is, hey, <laughs> this kid's 20. He's great right now. He won rookie of the year. I've also seen a lot of guys win rookie of the year and um, didn't really didn't really get to this level, right? Um, they came in, no one had a book on them. And the next year, three years later, I don't know if they actually need a rookie extension type guys, right? No, he took he took that that break going into the second year, got better, became an All NBA player, first team All NBA player. And honestly, dude, when he came back from that break of the bubble, that was a different player again. That was a completely different player again. That was a relentless guy on the on the pick and roll attack. That was a guy that if when it's like whenever we used to watch Harden against us and we didn't have the defense to match him or the offense to match him, and you're just like, good guy, this guy's gonna he's gonna he's gonna pick us apart a hundred possessions tonight. He's gonna make the right decision, and it's gonna be so frustrating to watch. And Luca's at that level right now. He's he's relentless. He's adding something different. I don't know. You know, preseason the first three games didn't look didn't look that different. So I'm not gonna say like this is what he's doing this year instead, like shooting the three better or whatever. It's way too early to predict that. But there's gonna be something different about his game. There's gonna be something completely different this season. Um, and I assume he's gonna do that every year. One year he's gonna come back and he's just gonna be like this dead on three point shooter, right? And next year he's going to come back and he's even stronger. And that's just kind of how he is, man. He's so skilled and he has that inside of him already. Um, And when you sprinkle in that confidence and you sprinkle in the entire team being about him, um, and he's the right guy to do it, dude. There's no no negativity. There's no no angst inside of him. Like, he's the most joyful, like, fun, like, keep it light, keep it positive. Um joke around with your fellow teammates as long type as you're not dude. an official though i mean that's the yeah no he he definitely does get heated with officials whenever he feels like he's not whenever he feels like he's getting beat up and he's not getting calls you can see the tech coming like we can i can look at you and i'm like t minus five possessions until the tech's coming because he, he doesn't get fired up but that's part of it that's part of the formula right if 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 it takes you feeling like you're getting disrespected from an official or from whoever or like someone's playing you chippy to get you fired up and get you in that zone where you are the best player on the planet man get get whatever text you want just only get one a game like you know don't don't double them up but if that's what it takes to get you in that zone where you're that bad man let's get there let's uh, let's get to that and maybe you know 
I think 16 techs, you get you get a suspension suspended a game. So let's let's stay south of that line. But if it's if that goes into the confidence thing, that goes into making practice fun, that goes into making travel fun, that can, goes into keeping him engaged every moment. That comes into um, not people being cheerleaders for him, but people people gassing him up, telling him how good he is and how good he can be. So this is, I mean, I know that was very long winded, but this is one of my favorite things to talk about is growing a superstar in the NBA that is a high usage guy at age 19 is, is fascinating of how you handle that. Cause you do a couple of things wrong. You commit too early, you give him too much pressure. You, um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a couple trap doors that you can step in no matter how good the player is. And for the team to say, this is our guy, this is what I'm committing to. I'm going to lay out the path to see, I want to see what the optimum version of this weird, really different kind of player is. And sometimes it's this, and sometimes it's Dirk, right? And we've kind of wrote the book on that at this point. But with Dirk, that's kind of one of the things that I've always, I mean, I can't even say regretted, but I'm just kind of bummed about is that whenever he was on the come up, I was like eight, nine, ten years old, you know? Mm-hmm. And so everyone's childhood is a little fuzzy. I'm 29, so my childhood is closer than than for some others. But I remember vaguely Dirk's early years, but I really remember whenever he was already good. But we kind of get like a do-over with Luca, you know? I mean, we get like a second chance to to see the, the growth and the process. And uh, that is very exciting. So I'm kind of relishing every every step of the way. That's like aesthetically – it's kind of sort of whatever to watch a guy complain a lot to the officials, but also that's kind of like <laughs> his smelling salts, you know? So like, it's just it, whatever it, it gets him going, you know, no, that's uh, the, that's the John Henderson slap the crap out of your face. Yeah. Game, right. <laughs> and that's just that, you know, that's, he's a kid, you know, I mean, that's just mm-hmm. what kids do. Like, I don't know. It's like getting to raise a second child. You know, you just, you have to appreciate all this stuff. And, and it, it is, it's just really every step of his, process and there's many many more for him to go as a as a player as a person as a leader uh you know like I think one thing that has really contributed to him showing his personality more is a growing mastery of the English language like all of these things it's just I don't know it's really exciting uh to me to to get to watch English is is the language he's worst at yeah of the four or five he knows that's the one he's worst at yeah that's when he has to speak every day and so I I I struggle explaining how much I like that dude and how fun he can be um, and how he can just like kind of control a room and like, um, like he, he likes attention. Like he likes telling jokes. Like he likes all this, you know, everything that you would think a good leader is about. He's just not fully comfortable when people are lobbing grenades at him in a language that's his fifth best language. And not everyone has to be, you know, LeBron year 10 in front of the media. When he's only, I mean, he's you know? 21, you know, that's yeah, the he's thing. 21. Like, I don't know. I don't remember what LeBron was like when he was 21. I'm sure that he was probably a little, a little better interview, you know, even though maturity standpoint, they were probably like the same guy, you know, maybe slightly different, but whatever. Uh, but you know, LeBron had spoken English for 21 years by then, mm-hmm. but I'm really curious to see what 25-year-old Luca will look like and what 30-year-old Luca will look like. And now LeBron is 36 or 37 or whatever. What 37-year-old Luca will look like 
I mean, they might be mm-hmm. it might be the same guy, you know, because Luca is just as he sees the game and thinks the game at just as as high a level too, and that's one of the most interesting things I think about listening to LeBron interviews is sometimes he'll just go on these these just mental down these mental paths. You're like, holy crap! Like he is vividly recalling a play that happened seven years ago. Like that is awesome. I mean, I think Luca has that sort of that brain as well. But I, I feel like I feel like no matter what he did professionally um obviously he's an exceptional basketball player and a super unique athlete I feel like knowing knowing him just like that much and being around him did I feel like whatever he wanted to do in life he probably could have done like he's he's that smart like he's that he dives that much into whatever he attacks I mean you see it in knowing five languages and caring to speak the language of the place he lives um and being that locker room leader type guy, it's a friend of everybody and everyone feels like they can talk to. I feel like no matter what he would have done, he would have been successful because he would have attacked it with this attitude that like, no, I'm figuring this out. There's not another option. There's no, no, or turning around is just not going to happen for me. So if he was going to be a basketball player, if he was going to be, you know, whatever, an engineer, fill in the blank of his profession, like I feel like he'd be awesome at it. And that charisma and charm and stuff is very important because now that Dirk is gone and now that JJ are gone, and those are the two torchbearers of the culture and also just like of the team attitude. Like those are two of the funniest people ever born. Now that they're gone, Luca is kind of like in charge of that. And so it's it's noteworthy to me, I think, that – guys like Josh Richardson are already saying like yeah this team is really tight like they're you know we're we got great chemistry already and and all that stuff Trey Burke is still kind of new he was here once but you know he was he was only here for a month or so before and a month or so last season as well and he's saying yeah we're already really tight like that kind of speaks volumes about Luka too because he has a huge impact on all that stuff but it's a it's a 17-man team if we're counting two-way guys and so there's a lot of other people to talk about but but Luka's development is easily the number one thing to just continue watching about this franchise and about the whole NBA, really. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can listen to, he's the next guy. If you want to, if you want to hear people talk about his MVP odds or, you know, like break down his raw numbers, I mean, we could, we could do that, but I feel like the thing we owe y'all whenever you're listening to this is like what we see behind the scenes, um, and how we got here. More importantly, um, what, what was put into this moment? Um, because that's things, other people can't talk about like we can break down you know i think he'll be you know this offensive rating this year and he'll shoot better from three and just like put like some guesses together i don't think that's the stuff you listen to us for <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think you want to know like what kind of evolution he's making like behind the scenes in, in the locker room um and i literally texted jake after second day of media day whenever luca came through and you know year one he did some funny stuff for me. Like he sang some songs and like, I was like, Oh, I like, I like this kid. He's cool. And year two, he was kind of in and out, you know, um, was into it, but wasn't like, you know, wasn't, didn't feel, felt like just a little out of place. Um, this year, man, I literally texted Jake, uh, Jake Kemp with the ticket, like after day two immediately. And I was like, I freaking love this guy. Like he's funny now. He's like very funny now. Um, he's got like the perfect answer for everything. Like, you can ask him, like, a really, like, you can be stressed out, like, asking him to, like, move to the next station, or do you want to do these liners next, or, you know, media day is just a frenzy. It's just nonsense, like, for, like, five hours, and you'll, you know, he can tell you're stressing out, he can, like, crack a joke at you and just be like, oh, you know what, 
we're doing we're covering a basketball team. Let's just kind of like take a breath for a second. <laughs> like no one's going to die, no nuclear codes are going off. Like if it takes two more minutes or if I have to ask somebody to read something again, it's okay. Um but he can read that room like really well now and he's funny and I I really like the guy. I like personally like the dude now. Not that I didn't dis- not that I disliked him before. I just didn't really know who he was or what he was about. So let's talk about basketball a little bit now. Now that you just said that no one listens to us for our basketball takes, let's do it anyway. Uh, so it's Mavs at Suns, Mavs at Lakers, Mavs at Clippers, then versus Yeesh. the Hornets, versus the Heat. Out of the gate, it's coming hot, man. It is, it is, it is going to be pretty serious uh, right off the bat. These first five opponents are really good, and, and you know it doesn't get much easier after that. It's going to be a grind both in terms of the quality of opponent and also just the rate of games. and I mean, everything, it's just... It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot. And they're going to be shorthanded at the start of the year, too, without KP. And so it feels like this year, kind of similarly to the lockout year in 2011-2012, I feel like everyone is just going to be like, you know what, let's just like just get to the playoffs. Like, just get there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter your seed. It doesn't matter. Any, like, just, just make it there in one piece. And... That kind of attitude could benefit a team like the Mavs, who's a little younger and maybe more naturally equipped to handle this, all these games, and they got the, the depth and everything. Like, maybe the Lakers don't take a four-game road trip in February very seriously, or maybe the Clippers are like, you know what, we're good tonight, guys. Like, we're we're fine. <laughs> and I'm not saying those will happen right away or against the Mavs, period. But it might happen at some point. Um, you well, and you I get, both expect scheduled- the Mavs to make the playoffs. And yeah, frankly, I think it's at this point, it's like win a series time. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. the stage that they're at. Maybe other people have different opinions. Maybe they need to go on a more of a run or whatever. I say get there, avoid the play in tournament for sure. Get better defensively for sure. Be better in crunch time for sure. And if you can do all of get those things, healthy. You're get probably, there healthy too. Hmm? Get there healthy. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Get there healthy I mean, for sure. You might, I mean, people that uh, that don't follow this team every day or aren't super Mavs fans might laugh at you whenever you say in the bubble we really could have used Dwight Powell and Jalen Brunson, but we really could have used Dwight Powell and Jalen Brunson. Yes. Um, yes. 100%. And the other thing you were talking about was the beginning of the season, this kind of murderer's row for the first three games with Phoenix, you assume, being better. Like, I, I you know. They're better. I, I'll, res- I'll respect Chris Paul until, you know, he's no longer in the league. Um also noted that at some point he's going to get too old. <laughs> like I don't think that's now judging by what OKC did last year um, with him being their best player. But um, you're getting scheduled these tough matchups because <laughs> the NBA or they're, they're not foolish, right? They want, I, I was watching, I, I watched the, uh, the ESPN earlier today for a little while while I was doing some work. And you know what the Christmas day ad is? Mavs at Lakers. You know what the opening night, tomorrow night ad is? Mavs at Suns. So we're, that we're team a marquee now, team. Yeah, we are that team. Um, we're, we're a marquee matchup at this point. And the NBA is not foolish. They want really good matchups at the beginning of the season um, because it's, it's not difficult to understand how weird life is right now and how out of rhythm everyone is and how important it is for a product, an entertainment product, to sink its teeth into you really early. 
in the season. Um, and, you know, if Lakers-Clippers is an insane game and then Lakers-Mavs on Christmas Day is crazy, um, and then we get a couple other, like, all-timers that happen in the first week or two, um, you need this – you know, we'll be fine if if they're all blowouts. Like, we'll move on as if normal. But you need these ratings to be up. You need people to be interested that are fringe fans. And one of the ways that you do that nowadays – is getting the best young player in the league on that national TV. And calling him and Luca we'll... Legend in the ad too. I <laughs> yeah. mean like that's so yeah. that's an official nickname, but not not approved by anybody that's uh yeah, in Dallas. He, he is still whatever. forever the Don to me. Uh but that kind of leads to the whole conclusion is like, yeah, I mean, you know, fans and our I mean we're kind of we're sort of fans. We're in like this gray area, but like National expectations, fan expectations, our expectations, the team expectations, they're all higher. Success is, you know, desired, certainly. Uh, Mm -hmm. What is, what would be a success for you? Is it what I laid out where it's just, just get to the dance and in one piece and and try and take one? Or or is there, is there something more or is there something else? that was off that list that you want to see what is kind of like a eight months from now we're looking back and like yeah you know that was that was a good that was a good year I think you need to well in game big picture I think you need to advance out of the first round um if you don't is it the end of the world no depending on the matchup and depending on you know what happens um along the way because you can you can you know get your pin out and write down where you think our win total will be. And then, you know, you get to February and there's things that are affecting games and Dwight Powell tears his Achilles like last year. And then you're like, man, what are we doing with our big man rotation? And then, you know, KP has to sit a little while. Um, and you just don't know, you know, you, you look at a matchup two months away from now and you go like, oh, man, our starting five versus their starting five. That sounds really fun. Like, let's watch that game. And then you get there, and it's like uh, four of the top five players are out that night or missing weeks, right? And so it is this kind of marathon of um, – <laughs> I've always said this about fantasy sports because I feel like each season is so far from the last one that you forget, like, most of the tricks you have in your bag um, or, like, to calm down or, like, hey, this is the time of year that Derrick Henry starts murdering people on a football field. Um, but you need to like keep like sp- a sports journal <laughs> of like, dear dear diary, it's January twenty seventh, and uh, we we have one starter that's playing tonight. Remember these nights happen, um, or you know this person hasn't made a three in five games. Like remember this stuff happens. Um, but if you're a good enough team, you hope in the end it, it levels out, right? So I'm gonna say big picture, get out of the first round. Um, that's my expectation. And to do that, you need to stay healthy. At least your top six or seven guys need to be healthy. You need to play 65 games or more uh, to me. I mean, I might even take 60, depending on how weird this season gets. And, you know, if you judge it by what's happened in, in football with their short <laughs> turnaround time, no preseason that they dealt with, a lot of injuries, a lot of injuries. Um, and then we don't know if there's going to be COVID situations either, right? We don't know if someone's going to 
getting the contact tracing protocol across the league and then you're out two games or three games because our 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 schedule's different. <laughs> we go and then we take a day off and then we go and that's like the preferred preferred rhythm of how we work. Um the NFL has been like, "Oh, okay. Well, you're out one game. We'll make it work." Um NBA, man, you start missing chunks of games and it's that changes your entire season from, you know, being looking at the fourth seed to dropping down to fifth to, oh, you're in sixth. Oh, now you're in the play-in tournament because your guys have missed that much time. So avoid that. And I think this team is one of the best in terms of uh, being smart about those type of things and taking that seriously so I don't foresee a situation like that. I'm just saying that's going to happen somewhere in the league, I would bet, this year, unfortunately. Um, So get out of the first round. You need to be healthy to do that. Uh, You need everybody. And if you get there and you have all your guys and uh, you have the rotations the way you want them, um, I think that's, that's my expectation is, is win four, four games in the first round. Get to the second round, see who you get matched up against. Maybe they're in a different situation than they were um, at the beginning of the season. I think I'm not going to ever tell somebody that if you don't win MVP, it's not good enough. <laughs> to me, it's Luca could do the same exact thing he did last year, and I'd, I'd be like, Damn, bro, you did it again. You're incredible. Like, you don't need to. You don't need to do anything else offensively. I think you. I think you figured it out. Um, but they have to be better defensively as a whole. Um, whether that's him taking a step, or new pieces fitting in um, and affecting that, um, or just having some more depth. Because I think that does tie into a lot of what happened um, last year at the end of games. Not just that people could score at you, score on you whenever you wanted, whenever they wanted, uh, in the final two minutes of games, whenever it was a clutch situation, but you just hadn't worn them down. Like you weren't making them play both ways for a lot of the game, and they'd get to the final two minutes, and it's like, man, I'm okay. My legs are all right. Like I, only person I've had to chase around the entire night is is Luca. He's making me work my ass off, but you know we're rotating on him, and I've kind of we kind of we kind of weathered it. Um, so I think you need to grind people defensively and just take a, a mental toll on them throughout games so that in the final two minutes, they're not, they're not as sharp. They're worn down. They're playing fatigued. They're making some bad, bad decisions whenever they're trying to come back from that six-point deficit that happens. So I think improving defensively, getting out of the first round are kind of the – that's the two things that if we get to, you know, playoffs um, out of the first round this year, I think – that would be a huge, a huge win for us. And just the getting to the playoffs last year was so important. It, it was huge. Um, number one, just to be taken seriously, to hit that shot that Luca hit, that is everywhere now, to to show people we're we're nothing to nothing to scoff at, even with KP out. Um, and then you get into these games where you just crank the pressure up, and. And each each round, each playoff trip is is exponentially more valuable for a team that's as young as this one is, or at least the the leadership of this team is as young as it is. I think all of that goes hand in hand, right? Like if you get better at defense, then you're. If they were like marginally better at defense last year, they beat the Clippers, you know. Yeah. And really, if they were marginally healthier last year, mm-hmm. they probably beat the Clippers. I know everybody wants to is taking turns dunking on Dwight Powell right now, and I want to talk about that too, but. Losing him and losing Brunson, like you said, 
that was just catastrophic. And it was made even worse because, like, okay, you know, they got Trey Burke kind of to replace Brunson. I mean, really to replace Willie Colley-Stein, who they signed to replace Dwight. So, like, they were just playing catch-up, like, with all of those guys. Yeah, that's just quicksand. That's just like this to replace that, to fix that, to fix that. Like yeah, it's I mean, <laughs> it's like you're stretching the same piece of bubble gum to plug all the mm-hmm. holes in the dam, you know? And Kawhi just, you know, blasted right through it. They were a little healthier. We're a little better on defense. Who knows what happens in that series? And maybe maybe we're talking about a totally different postseason run because I know Denver was awesome, but I don't know, man. I don't know. It's it's interesting to We've, think we about. We played Denver well. Like that's that, that was my preferred matchup um, before we went into the bubble. Whenever you start, okay, if you win three of five, you or three go three and five. Here's this, you know. You start adding up who your opponents can be. I was like, "Man, give me Denver. Like they're a really good team, but I we play them well." It could have been though that Denver still smoked them. Maybe Denver wins that series against Dallas in five games. I have no idea. But if you really want to get crazy, I mean, that's what thinking about like just results based expectations and like this was a success because they advanced X far. Denver went all the way to the conference finals last year and is like everyone's darling pick now to do stuff. Mike Conley missed like a buzzer beater that was like halfway down against them in mm-hmm. game seven in the first round. What if Utah beats Denver? Like yeah. Denver might feel like failures. Like maybe, maybe they, maybe they break that whole team. Down. Like I have no idea. So, um, you know, getting too, too deep into the playoff results stuff, determining your mood about like the state of your franchise is, is pretty dicey, especially for fans. I mean, you know, front office, I guess it's their job, but like, I don't know. It's it's a it's a it's a tricky game to play, but um, well, especially in the in a bubble situation, in a restart situation, right? Like yeah. long term, you can't. The only things you can take out of that are positive, I think, unless somebody just melts down, <laughs> unless somebody's just like, "This isn't fun. I don't like these guys. We're not doing this anymore. Get me out of here!" Like, and then you're like, "Oh my god." Like I I wasn't planning on adding any of this into the formula, and now we're in this situation, but. The only thing you can take out of that the restart, the eight game restart, the bubble playoffs is is positives. If guys show you new things that they can do or take take steps, then yeah, that's great. But otherwise, it's <laughs> there's so many excuses and different factors that if you let that, you know, what do we play? Uh, fourteen games plus a couple scrimmages after the restart. If you let those fourteen games and those scrimmages like color the the forward path that you've been laying out this entire time like no that's that's let's that's losing that's what that's the cry of the loser is to look at the last game and go ah like we got to change something yeah like in my in my fantasy football league that i'm in with you mike uh i started two and nine and now it's a dynasty league and so it's it's you know there's intent behind all this stuff Mm -hmm. but uh i have won my last four games in that league uh, two of which have come in the consolation tournament. So I'm feeling great mm-hmm. heading into next year, knowing also full well that these games do not affect next year at all. Like they are, they're maybe, maybe David Montgomery is who you thought he was. Yeah, Maybe, maybe he's RB one, you know, maybe mm-hmm. he's RB one moving forward. Interested to see how the rest of that, uh, league played out. Who, who's in the final? Um, I don't know. I'll have to check. I'll have to check. I, I haven't, mm. I haven't looked and, uh, mm. I haven't looked all year. I think that's why I'm in last place because I just haven't been 
managing my team. Yeah, not, not up to date on it. No, I get it. Yeah, I, McCaffrey I it. was well, in my starting it, lineup all season long, so I must have had a good mm, year. Yeah, must have been yeah. good. If I, if I clicked on that one or really any of the leagues I'm in, I'd be in the final. So. Oh, wow. Well, that's cool. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which one I'd click on. Yeah, well, good for you. Um, so the last thing, uh, tomorrow is Festivus, Mike, so to, in, in keeping with the holiday <laughs> spirit, I want to give you a chance to air a grievance, and I want to air one grievance of mine. Um, I'll go first, because I, <laughs> I, I know you have plenty of grievances, but I want you to narrow it down to one in your head, so I want to give you a second to think. Oh, God. Uh, my okay, grievance, got, my, my big thing that I'm just going to be I thought we were going to talk to White Pal. That's mine. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So the thing that's going to be rolling my eyes about all year, all year long, is, and I I don't want to be a jerk about this, but, (laughs) like, there is a sizable, look, everybody has stuff to complain about. You like the team. You don't have to like every player. I get it. We went through it with Wes Matthews for four years here. Everyone thought that he's, like, you know, some spawn of Satan because he turns it over sometimes. I... Whatever. Mm-hmm. I understand. I've been there. Whatever. Well, they Back paid him younger, max, so if he didn't live up to that, he should have taken less. He should have he said, no, I will not make the maximum amount or close to it that my profession wants to pay me. Yeah. And now that's his fault. It's his fault. That's his fault. It's, it's his fault. It's his fault. But like, just to show you that I'm on, I'm on team fan. When I was younger, Michael Finley was my favorite player, and then Dirk came along, and Dirk became my favorite player. And then sometimes Michael Finley would take shots late in games, and I would be like, why didn't you give it to Dirk? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, because Michael Finley is an all-star. <laughs> He's, like, really good, you know? So, yeah. I, you know, sometimes you, like, want to fight guys that you also love. I mean, it's, it is what it is. Uh, but anyway, uh, there's just a huge amount of just, like, angst about Dwight Powell being a starter for the next like 10 games before KP comes back or maybe even fewer. I have no idea. Maybe more. I have, I have no idea about that. But uh, because Giannis like scored on him a few times in his first game back after recovering from an Achilles injury. And it's just like, okay, sure. He's never been like a the rim protector. He's, you know, and, and especially if you're going to have basically – four wings, you know, four smaller guys around him, then there is going to be pressure on the center in this offense, whether or defense, I guess, offense and defense, same thing. But uh, whether it's Porzingis or Powell or Willie Cauley-Stein or Boban or Maxi, whoever the five is, if it's going to be four wings or two two wings and two guards or whatever, there's going to be a lot of pressure on you on the inside, you know. Um, but it's just really, it's really weird, Mike. It's really weird that there's this level of like, I don't know, like it feels like venomous hatred for the guy. Like he just tore his Achilles. Uh, he's making a comeback. I I don't get I don't get it. I don't get what they I don't get what people expect. I don't get what people hope for. Um it takes guys time to get back to full strength and the way to do that is by playing. And uh also I mean just the big kind of conversation about who's this team starting center is it Dwight or is it Maxi? Well, they're both wrong. The team starting center is Porzingis and he's out. Mm-hmm. And so in the meantime, someone's going to give you 20 minutes at starting five, and it's going to be Powell because Powell and Luca last year was insanely good. And uh, if you if you really want to be like shocked, the team's best defensive duo last year among like their top six seven guys was Dwight Powell and Tim Hardaway. Dallas <laughs> allowed 105 points per 100 whenever those two are on the floor. Like that's just like stupid. But um, I don't, it's just really it's just really really weird. 
Uh, he's like tops in the league at what he does. And I know he's not tops in the league at really anything else. Um, unless it's like good dude counts. Cause he's definitely, he's mm-hmm. like one of the best people ever, but, uh, he's a really, really good rim runner. He's a really, really good partner for Luca, especially missing KP. You need to Dallas's entire offense, the best offense ever in league history is predicated on a guy setting a screen for Luca and then doing something after he sets a screen, whether it's popping, rolling, rescreening, slipping. You got to do something. And the best person on this team at setting ball screens is Powell. It's not even Porzingis. It's it's mm-hmm. not Porzingis is amazing. Luca KP pick and roll is amazing, and it's that's the future of the team and all that stuff. But st- statistically, and also just in terms of like options and the kinds of problems it causes centers whenever. Powell is rumbling down the lane. It just creates such chaos. Last year, whenever Luca and Powell were on the floor, Dallas shot 41% from three. Like, it's just, like, the numbers were just absurd. And so giving up on that before you even give it a, give it a chance to see if it will work, to see if Powell can get back to that level and all that stuff is just really, uh, it's, very, it's very dumb. And, you know, maybe it comes to pass that after three, four, five games, the decision is made. But... Based on the way he played last year, I, I think it's only right to give him the chance to to earn it. And um, if he does, great. If he doesn't, great. Either way, it's a lot of hand wringing for like a week and a half of a guy starting uh, before KP comes back, and then we're all good. So I, I just don't get it. I know people love Maxi. I love Maxi. I remember telling you uh, three I years ago him. he was the best he's big the, man on the, the roster. Worst. I mean, this is like a I've long been a Maxi Kleber stan, um, but. Just let it happen, man. Just like just like I was saying, just enjoy the Luca climb. Like just enjoy all of this stuff. It's like it's a good thing that you have so many good players. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't get it. But you need a destructive force as a screen setter next to Luca. And and for as good as Maxi is, and he is great, Maxi is a, a fantastic player. If he is the guy that Luca's gonna be working with in the pick and roll and the pick and pop, it there's gonna be just something missing from the offense. I think he's great at Spacing the floor, occasionally screening, but mostly being a kickout guy for a shooter, uh, and then a, a defensive maniac. And that role is great off the bench, um, or in the starting lineup next to KP if they want to do that. But as the lone big, I, it's just I don't know. It's asking a lot of him, um, and so I I am all aboard the give pal a shot train, uh, and I'm also not all aboard the be toxic online about sports train because like this is just a freaking I don't know. It's like. This is the best Mavs team in like more than a decade, and we're just getting mad about something that doesn't really matter. So just mm-hmm. for the love of God, just like just take it easy, just enjoy it. That's that's my airing of grievance, Mike. Yeah, I don't know if you wanted me to do a elevator pitch for Dwight Powell. I'm fully uh, fully ready to do that, but um, if, if you, give it to me if you want. Man, to. I'm 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 really glad I I I don't operate in these circles anymore because I would have. If it were, then I don't even see this stuff anymore. I guess is what I'm I'm happier about because I would flip a flip a ass on somebody if I saw them bad mouthing Dwight Powell at this moment in time. Um, I don't care if you like his contract. Like again, see previous discussion about Wes Matthews, um, <laughs> who made way more money than Dwight does now. By the way, you go you go into your office next next month and tell them. I'd like to make less money. I don't think I've been doing as well. Um, or next time they offer you a raise, say, mm, no, why don't we just do half of that? Like, 
make as much money as you can possibly, whoever's going to offer it to you. Like, contracts are so stupid for fans to worry about unless they're, like, crippling your entire salary cap, which Dwight is not. Dwight is worth his number and then some. So it's just like a stupid, it's just a double digit. Like, anything over $10 million for some reason sticks in people's crawl because it's quotable whenever you're being an armchair quarterback uh, watching a game. And you're, wow, $10 million for that? Like, shut up. Um, so that that's one of the things I think, I've heard that a long time about Dwight Powell, and I'm like, but he's good at basketball, and he's pretty awesome on the pick and roll, and he has legendary numbers in terms of offensive efficiency. You wouldn't pay that money for that? Go look at the guys that just got extensions, the rookie extensions that just happened. Dwight Powell's better than almost every single one of them, and they're making more than him. I guarantee it's double you. what he makes. Yeah, like double. So you don't know anything about how money works in the NBA if you're complaining about Dwight Powell, and it's based on this this prerequisite of I don't like his contract. Dwight Powell is a Mavs success story if there's ever been one, man. It's a throw-in to a Rondo trade uh, in which we thought we were getting, you know, a guy who's going to be a point guard for us for the next three, four years and kind of transcend and, and elevate Dirk and this Chandler Parsons group for the, you know, the end of his career. It just didn't happen. And the thing we got out of it that um, people don't realize was the best part of that trade was Dwight Powell, right? Um, I didn't realize at the time. Now I think anybody looking back can go, Man, giving up Jay Crowder was tough and he's got a really good career and Dwight Powell, better career in fact, um, depending on how you value things. But Man, I don't – how could you not like watching Dwight Powell play basketball? Just funny. dunks a lot. That's fun. Dude. It's just cool. And you saw Rick Rick last week whenever Dwight was in practice, or they started doing full team practice again, right? Rick and Maxie would not shut up about Dwight whenever they did their media availability because what Dwight does that y'all might not realize because you're not around the team and you, you know – Whenever you watch a pick and roll, you're just still staring at the ball handler. And you're like, oh, is he going to shoot? Oh, he might shoot. And you're not watching what's going on the rest of the court after Dwight either sets a pick or uh, is into his, into his role. Dwight brings the juice, man. Like, he makes stuff edgy. He gets people fired up. Like, he makes basketball exciting. And not that Luka isn't exciting, but whenever you have a guy that does prod relentlessly, like, you get a little bit numb to it if every once in a while it doesn't end up, like, in an alley-oop. And it's just a guy kind of like, you know, uh, walking a, doing a walk the dog on his yo-yo down the lane every time. And he's just deciding, do I want to kill you here? Do I want to kill you out there? Do I want to shoot from here? Um, Dwight brings the juice, man. Dwight brings an edge. He, defensively, you're going to always going to have nits to pick with Dwight Powell. Um, but that's, Especially if he's guarding freaking let, Giannis, which again, like... Yeah. Right. And I mean, the, the, Jesus. What do you, I mean, what what are do you doing? think? What are, what are the other options right now? Like, if we had Rudy Gobert on the bench to come in and play starting five whenever KP couldn't play starting five, then okay. But Maxie's been awesome coming off the bench so far. Like, he really fits in with that group. And you need, man, I, I like, I like Maxie so much. He's another Mavs success story that, like, people around the league are starting to, like, appreciate a little bit. Um, he's starting to become like not a household name, but like an NBA household name. Um, it, it's not the same thing, right? Maybe once a quarter he'll set that pick and roll to the basket and devastate your defense. 
Dude, it's like every other time Dwight Powell sets a screen, he is causing an entire system collapse of your defense. If you ask, man, ask anybody in that starting five right now that, that plays with Dwight Powell, to ask them who has the toughest job. I guarantee you, Luca, Jay Rich, Tim, Dorian would be like, man, Dwight. Dwight's got to work his ass off. He's got to throw his body around. He's got to, you know, someone's trailing Luca on the pick and roll, and he's got to let them just put their shoulder into his hip 25 times a game and then turn around and beat them to the basket. Like, he's got a very difficult job, and he's extremely good at it. Um, and I just, I don't know. I'm glad I don't see that stuff. I'm glad I don't have to rummage through NBA Twitter that much. because You I don't spend enough work. time online, Mike. That's what that means no, to me. I spend the perfect amount of time online. Yeah. I promise. Um, I promise. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm missing this, if you're missing me with this, then I'm spending the perfect amount of time online. Yeah. Well, I, I love you, Dwight Powell. Uh, just want to put that Great out there. Great dude. I like Dwight. I don't get the negativity around Dwight. He's never negative. He's a super positive, smart, helpful like he's just, he's as good people uh front to back and so my dog is on board with Dwight Powell as well. Yep. Um no, that dude that dude's great. Like there's nothing wrong with Dwight Powell. He is what he is. Um if you're if you're expecting an all <laughs> all defensive first team player out of him shut up. <laughs> or any <laughs> or any player for that matter. Like that's just not fair. That's not a fair expectation you placed on him. And just because he's exceeded everyone's expectations in this, these few areas, offensively, um, athletically, um, and then you know just what he means to a team, you think he's got to be perfect across the board. Uh, he, he'd tell you, like, I need to get better defensively. Like, he's not t- – he's not, why – I think it's part of, like, how clean cut and, like, he's a handsome guy and a Stanford guy that everyone thinks he's, like – I don't know. They think he's, like – thinks his, his crap doesn't stink or something. Dwight is the most honest guy. Like, if you, if you ask him about his defense, he'd be like, man, not good enough right now. But building on it, you know? Like, that's how he is. So I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get the Dwight Powell hate. I, think, I thought we outgrew that as a fan base. I thought whenever you, uh, whenever you see the fan base do stuff like this, um, I don't know. I feel like we, we are, a large portion of our jobs is <laughs> educating the fan base. Um, or at least and, just and getting, providing information, whether it's educated. I mean, that's you know, but yeah. Hey, whatever, whatever way you take it. Um, here's the information. Here's how I feel about it. Um, you you can believe it or you can you can hate us. You can not believe it. I don't care. I'm just. Uh, but whenever you see a fan base do something like that, I'm like, you get disappointed in a child almost. <laughs> You're like, wanted you to be better than this, but I don't know. I feel like that's such a small subset and. It's sports fandom, man. You need an enemy. <laughs> we don't have any. We don't have an ex, an exterior enemy to be mad at yet, right? Like we True. don't have a Marcus Morris as of right now. Like, yeah, except for Marcus Morris, who yeah, except for actual Marcus Morris. You know, on on the twenty seventh, may or may not be catching a foul from Dwight Powell yeah. in the first quarter. I mean, who who knows? You never know. So just just stay tuned, uh, Mike. Blood, what's blood making sport. you mad then? If it, if it's not the internet, what's what's your uh, what's your grievance you want to get off your chest? Okay. And we'll end on something positive, but just, you know, be mad for another few minutes. All right. So let's get in the trust tree here. I'm going to get real close. <laughs> okay. I know life is weird right now. 
everything's difficult and I didn't really plan to be living through a pandemic in my thirties. That wasn't really, wasn't really part of it. Lucky to have a job, obviously lucky to have friends, but something that is, uh, amongst all this that is driving me insane (laughs) as of right now. And I don't know, this might be a third, not third world, first world problem. Um, Again, life is difficult. Jobs are hard. I get it. We're all trying to just pay the bills and, and move along and keep it, keep, it, keep it between the lines. But I swear to God, I have not gotten one to-go meal in the last two <laughs> weeks that has not been royally effed up. Like just something. Just something... <laughs> Something in it. You get a salad. There's no dressing. You get a you get a thing. It's there's the the the, the thing's not there. The main thing's missing. We just we just got to do better, guys. Tired I'm of eating salads with zero right dressing. Now, it's weighing on me a little bit. It's weighing on me. I'm sorry. The the premise was more about basketball, but oh, okay, okay. I didn't know you didn't give me a. Oh, yeah, bad direction on my part. This is your show. This is your show. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, <laughs> if I had to eat another salad without any dressing, because <laughs> you forgot the dressing. Or a drink without a straw. No, oh, my God. Or, Good God. this happened to me this weekend. No carrots, extra Brussels sprouts. Got neither. <laughs> See? They're getting you. They're testing you. Yeah. They're testing your perimeter. They're seeing if they can leave something off every single order for the next two weeks yeah. and not drive you insane. Like, I feel like I'm being pranked at this point. But, uh, but I don't know, basketball-wise, I don't know, don't sage a court. Um, don't bring sage onto an NBA court, maybe. <laughs> no, it's it's kind of weird, right? I mean, um, it's like a fire yeah. hazard. Yeah, like, what are you, my mom in her 40s? Like, what's happening right now? Um, and then... I don't know. I feel like everything else has been pretty positive. I, 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 as I previously stated, I don't, I don't get down in the in the muck as much as you do. I, I follow a, f- a few people that I really like and are funny, um, and I, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm not on Twitter as much as I used to be. I just go in there whenever I think of something really funny. That's all. That's all I contribute. I just contribute one one joke at a time. Twitter. I'm not here for the interaction. Maybe you think it's funny. I I do think it's funny. Yeah. If I posted it, I think it's funny. Yeah. So everyone should. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's 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 good stuff. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad you're extremely offline because you've got a lot of people that are really online these days. Uh, okay. So wrapping things up, trying to end on a high note because we've just spent the last 15 minutes complaining, which really kills me. And I, I don't like being <laughs> negative, Nancy or Nemo or what's a downer, Deborah. Yeah, or down or Don, whatever. Yeah, you got you to get some of those that have male names on them. It's 2020, guys. Yeah, I mean, come on. What are we doing? Uh, I hate being a complainer, a whiner, so I'm complaining about how much I'm complaining. Let's end on a high note, it's man. A, um, it's a rare achievement. Uh, yeah, I just want to reiterate, this is like the best time ever to watch this team, and I know we said that last year, and it ended up kind of being true, best offense ever. Oh, yeah playoffs they were great buzzer beater game winner 
So, like, it kind of turned out to be true. And this year is probably going to be better. And everybody agrees that it's going to be better. Like, five out of five dentists. Like, everyone, the Mavs are now there. But um, I, I talked about it with, with Isaac uh, yesterday on Mavs Daily, which you should listen to. And you should also listen to all the podcasts on the Mavs Podcast Network, Mike. Uh, you specifically. Um, okay. How they're like they're I, Isaac said they're kind of like in the sweet spot, right? Where like they're good, but there's no like expectations, you know? Yeah, no, no one gets fired if you don't win the championship. This yeah, year. that's. But we're starting to get there, you know. We're mm-hmm. start we're the 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 zone like we're about to step out of the zone because Luke is going to get into junior his zone. year. It's yeah. junior year of college. Yep, things are about to get real, and so like the you know. It's just when things get real, the fun can we can sort of lose tra- we can you can lose the plot right you can sort of like get get too swept up in the day to day you can get too mad about Dwight Powell starting you can get too mad about how Luca took a step back three in that one game you know and he and he should have passed it mm-hmm. just like I don't know I I my whole thing my my whole bit in general is that basketball is fun it's a sport we should just enjoy it like just have a good time with our friends. Uh, easy for me to say that, but I my whole thing this year is going to be, especially with the number of games and guys are going to get hurt and miss time and COVID and the world sucks. Like, there's so much, there's so much stuff to just be bothered by, and that there will be even more to be bothered by once they start playing games and losing games because they are going to lose games. My whole thing this year is just going to be just like just enjoy it because, like I said an hour ago, about Dirk. And Luca, and this is like our second chance. This is like when Robin Williams becomes a kid again in uh, in the whatever that movie is. Uh, what is that movie called? Hook. <laughs> no, I mean close, but uh, Patch uh, Adams. No, Dead Poets. Good Society. morning, no, Vietnam. Uh, it's it's like Dante. Whatever. Who who cares? We we get to begin again, man. Like this is the Flubber. beginning. This is only the beginning, and uh, it's just. I don't know. I'm just really going to try and enjoy the whole thing. Um, last year was first year without Dirk. This year is first year where like things are getting real. E- every year there's going to be something kind of something different and something new. And, and it's, I don't know, it's really exciting and it's going to be pressure packed and it's going to be tough and there's going to be bad losses and there's going to be good games. And I don't know, this is going to be great, but one day we're going to wake up and it's all going to be over. And so I just want to be able to like, you know, I want to be able to enjoy every step of the way because uh, this is this is shaping up to be a heck of an era that we're about to enter. There's no doubt. Um, I gotta pinch myself every once in a while. I know people on. That's the funny thing about being online, man. Is you can see like the most uplifting stuff, and then see the just absolute dregs of just negativity wash over you in the same five minutes. When uh, I, I do really appreciate the fandom, whenever they are like. Man, this kid's 21, and he's this good, and he plays for our team. He play, he works he works for the same company I work for, right? The same person signs his checks. We're on the same insurance, and we walk through the same place. My dog's on the insurance as well, which is tight. Um, but I am going to power turn of positive you in. thinking, Mike. Power of positive gonna, thinking turn you over to a home (laughs) um anyway no it's dude this is this is the the good times this is the stuff you're going to tell your kids about um and the thing we said at the beginning of last year too is 
You're gonna you're gonna tell your kids like, remember that game that Luca hit that step back game winner against the Clippers, right? So it's time to make some memories. It's time to make some bigger ones, some bigger, brighter ones. Um, and I think we're positioned to do that. Um, and I don't know, man. I, I've I got really into. <laughs> I'm all, I'm always pretty pretty much into like fantasy football. Like I, I enjoy it. But I feel like I've become like an obsessive about it over the last um, last nine months because it's been like the one thing I could do <laughs> that was like always there. Like we had a, we got a dynasty league, so I'm prepping for that, and then I'm doing this every day, and just having some kind of rhythm um, in your in your day to day that is based around sports and entertainment and enjoyment is is for me. I find it extremely beneficial. Um, I don't know if that's for everybody. I don't know if everybody needs this kind of stuff. I feel like we do. And we took it for granted for so long, man. We were just like, uh, you know, I'm not going to pay attention until the third quarter. I'll check the halftime score, and then I'll start checking in. Like, this is <laughs> this is such a cool, uh, number one, time in just technology and sports fandom when you can watch any game you want. You can You can – uh, know as much as you want. You can follow teams that employ 10 people to bring you the information about the players that you want to know more about or uh, see coverage of them. So, number one, we're just super lucky to live right now where we're not having to go to the newspaper the next morning and figure out what happened in a game or, you know, just create these storylines. I know that the the sitting on at a bar and having a beer talking about the game aspect isn't quite there yet, but we're trying to... Well, trust me, we're trying to manufacture ways to do that <laughs> where people can just get some sense of community um, with one another. But um, it's, it's, it's going to mean a, this season, we might look back a couple of years from now and just be like, I mean, how the hell do we do that? Like, how the hell did we pull off this season? And we'll look back at all the work and sometimes situations like this make people crumble. And sometimes it makes people find have just astronomical breakthroughs. And I just think about the stuff that we're trying to do this season in terms of content. And um, not, I hate saying fan engagement because that's such a throwaway term to me that just is like a buzzword that just gets like tossed into meetings whenever you don't really have anything to say. Um, but actual connection, like fan connection things we're trying to do are, are above and beyond what we've ever done before our content's going to be stronger than it has ever been before. Um, and just the creativity that's come of this time is super inspiring to me for someone that has to work in this and cover this team or gets the privilege to every day. And uh, one of the things we've talked about is making the next Mavs fan. Like, I feel like that's been my job for the last two and a half years is um, making the next, <laughs> the next me or you. Like putting stuff in front of a kid that, um, or you know, a teenager or somebody that's twenty that isn't quite into sports yet, and just seeing, and just having something that you make, that the end result is um, an outsider going, "Damn, that's cool!" Like I want to be a part of that, and then you become obsessive about it, and you know, some people. There's a large part of the population that isn't even into sports. Like I get that. I get that. If you're not one of those people. Good for you. It frees up a lot of time in your life. You probably read a lot more books than me. Probably spend a lot more time with people than than I do. But I find community in this. 
Um, and I find it's my responsibility to try and do that for other people. Um, and so this season getting back going and what we've been living through, um, this, this mental assault that everyone's kind of endured for the last nine, 10 months, um, man, it's going to be super fun just to talk about the first game and to talk about the Christmas day game and to say, can you believe Luca did that? Or hey, KP's coming back in three games, you know, how many minutes is he going to play? Like just having some kind of common culture that's built of a, a community is going to be awesome to me. So I don't know. That's, I kind of, kind of gave you a, a, an opus, but, um, that's, that's just kind of how I feel right now. Um, with, with how, how life is. Um, and most of my best friends on earth are people I've met through sports or working places in regards to sports. And a lot of it's Mavericks stuff, right? Cause they're, people know what I'm about. They know like that's been my main interest since that's why I started doing this stuff. Um, so it's, uh, it's a cool thing we got, man, and you don't realize how cool it is and how lucky you're to be be able to be do be be able to be doing it, if that makes sense, um, or be able to be a part of it. How lucky you are until 2020 happens, you know. Yep, and and we all get to enjoy it together, and that's the beautiful thing about sports. And you talking about making a fan super duper full circle. They get to experience Luca for the first time. It's maybe our second time to see something like that, but now we're trying to help people who come after us enjoy it even more than we did, you know, mm-hmm. even more than we did with Dirk. And so it's, yep. just, I don't know, it's a, it's a really beautiful thing, and it's just, it's going to be an awesome, awesome season and an awesome ride because it's nowhere near over. And even if they climb the mountaintop this year, this is not going to be as good as it's going to get. It's just going to keep getting better. It's just going to, it's just so awesome. It's so awesome. We're, mm-hmm. we're very lucky around here. So, all right, good stuff, Mike. I appreciate you, you plug man. some things. Thank you for uh, thank you for joining me on this show. Do you want me to plug some things? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would, Mike. I just came up with the idea. You should. I think that you should mm. plug some stuff. Oh, good. I was going to anyway. Uh, sounds from the baseline from this season. New episode will be out in the next couple days. Some point. Anyway, kind of reformatted it. Um, not reformatted it, but. It's it's, it's gonna totally, look a little reformatted. It's a it's a, yeah. whole, a totally new yeah. form of storytelling. Yeah, I don't want to under, undersell it. Yeah, it's a new format, but it's gonna be awesome. Same awesome stuff that Jay Lim does. Bobby's got a big hand in it, um, as well as I do. So um, look forward to that. And then tomorrow morning at eight fifty. So if you're going by ticket time, it's probably like eight fifty five. Uh, I'll be on with Mike Soroy and whatever random co-host he has for Christmas week. So. I'll be in the ticket tomorrow morning, 8.50 a.m. Nice. on 96.7 FM, The Chicken. The the Sports Day Talk app. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, you can, you can hear it on sure. there, too. Uh, if we're continuing mm-hmm. plugs, like I said, the entire Mavs Podcast oh, Network. Oh, God, here he goes. It is growing. <laughs> it is still growing. We got Mavs Daily. Definitely check that out. It's pretty much every day of the week. We got numbers on the boards. I'm coming back for season four with skin. Can't believe it. We're getting so old. My God. And, um, of course, we still got senior old boys. We got Mavs Archives, Mike Frailer. And we're growing, too. I mean, I, I think we, we might be able to uh, to expand the network a little bit. So it's it's really exciting times. We're just trying to find new ways to 
to uh, engage with the fans, Michael. Uh, and uh, on the on the Mavs YouTube channel too, I think we're gonna be trying some new stuff this year. We've experimented a little bit and and t are tossing around some ideas. So in addition to sounds from the baseline, there might be some uh, some more stuff on there too. So yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's a pleasure to 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 work in this field. It's a pleasure to argue about Dwight Powell. It's a, and it's a hell of a pleasure of a lifetime to get to watch Luca right after getting to watch Dirk. It is just it is it's incredible. It's incredible. So we shouldn't be so lucky. We should not. We should not be so lucky, but we are. So we gotta live it up, baby. We gotta and live it up. And we're living it up. And that begins tomorrow when the Mavs open the season against the Suns, and then it's Christmas against you. the Lakers. And then next week we're coming you. home. We're gonna be rocking the green on the alternate court at American Airlines Center. It's gonna be amazing. Cannot you. wait you. for you. this season to start and to uh, to get to go through it with everybody, with each and every one of you. So thank you for listening. If you enjoyed, please feel free to rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends, share with your enemies. Uh, tell everybody you know about The Ceiling is the Roof because we're going to make it happen. We're going to keep moving forward with or without you. So you better be part of the ride. He's tell Mike. your mama. He's tell Mike. Tell your I'm aunties. Bobby. And uh, we'll be seeing you.